It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. Before I begin, I just want to ask you to subscribe. It's one little click, and this way, every Tuesday, I am on your device. You don't have to come looking for me. It's just you and me. You put the earbuds in, and we are good to go. Subscribe to the Sugar Mom Podcast, please. I miss you if you're not here. Hmm. I'm like six. And I also want to say, before I sat down at this moment, and it is 2.48 p.m. Monday, I had no topic for Tuesday's podcast. And I was a little bit nervous because I, I just couldn't think of anything to talk about. I decided, let me just open up the mic and see what comes out <laughs> 35 minutes later. So, did I tell you that just recently I received in the mail the hard copy of the trademark to the name Sugar Mom? It has taken me three years to get that thing. And it's cost me a fortune. But I got it. And it's in a drawer with my passport. (laughs) So, if I ever run and leave town, I'll grab them both and be gone. I can reinvent myself somewhere else. Here's what I want to talk to you about. I want to talk about several things that can cause depression and that they might be things that you and I are both going through and we don't really see how they correlate, but one does go hand in hand with the other. For instance, the dating scene. I don't think I've ever seen anything or been a part of anything that is as depressing aside from the split up of my family. Honestly, you know, when you decide to walk away and leave your husband or your husband decides to leave you and your children are split, that is a devastating time of life, trying to refigure, reinvent, and just recover from life's curveballs. Well, if you've been following along and I've been talking about the dating world and all these dating sites and how I have gone through some really crazy times. I've met some really nice people, but for some reason, I wind up in person meeting the people that just aren't right for me. And I don't know how I'm doing that backwards. And I tend to internalize and think it's me when in most cases, I don't think it is. Maybe I'm setting expectations too high. I don't know if that's what you do, but if you meet someone and you're really excited and you really have something to look forward to, you have talked to this person, you've seen his pictures, you feel that you have a commonality, a lot of things mesh together. And then the day comes and you get together and you sit down in front of each other. Do you feel that big where Nothing is what you thought it was going to feel like. How depressing is that? And what causes it? Why is this man who you've been talking to online for a week now not what you thought he was going to be in person? Is it him or is it you? That's the question I keep trying to ask myself because it happens more often than not that he winds up not being right for me. I'm not perfect. I'm not looking for perfection. I'm looking for what might be perfect for me. But I keep finding 
characters. Not character as in something I look for in good character. Oh, that builds great character. I'm talking about the kind of characters like from the Three Stooges. Like one step shy of jail. Or one step away from their mother's house. Or somebody that's still married that decided not to tell me until the last minute. That kind of character. Well, when you do sit down and have that first cocktail with that man and you hear that pinhole of air that's escaping as the night goes on and you can see the date deflate. (laughs) As far as I'm concerned, that will spiral me into a depression because I no longer have something to look forward to. And no, I don't need to have a man. As I've said before, I can be happy with my own creations, my own achievements, but it sure would be nice to have somebody to share them with and to share somebody else's with me. Right? Right. Well, when the last bit of air escapes that little teeny pinhole and it's time to say goodnight, I don't know if you're ready to say goodbye or if you were ready two hours prior, but once you do, that's it. You're done. You have to start all over again. That causes depression. Having to start anything all over again is depressing. Going on a diet for the fifth time, trying to quit smoking for the eighth time, not drinking, unheard of. But yes, I could imagine it would be impossible. Nothing I would like to try. (laughs) But I guess if you could make it through that horrible date, and the part that really makes it horrible is the fact that you expected it to be so wonderful. I'll tell you what's even worse, is if by chance you sit down beside somebody that really is a nice guy, and he's good looking, and you think to yourself, I must be in a dream world. This doesn't happen. I mean, and I'm at a bar. How did this happen to me? I'm not lucky in this way. At least I haven't been in a good 20 years. But this just recently happened. And I sat there and we talked and he was very engaging. I could tell he really liked me. We spoke about funny things, interesting things. There was never a lull. And I really felt fortunate. Wow. This does still happen. I don't have to have somebody introduce me. I don't have to be on a dating site. I met a real live human man that I liked sitting right beside me on my good side, no less. You know, the other side hurts if you turn too far to the right. (laughs) Anyway, we exchanged numbers. I kissed him goodnight outside by my car. I just met this man and I kissed him goodnight. I don't know. I just wanted to. Sometimes you just feel it and you just do it. It's not like we were heavy petting or anything. I wasn't laying on the roof of the car. It was just a kiss. But still, we texted later. Everything seemed to be fine. He sort of moved ahead a little bit too fast for me at that point because, you know, if I get into sexting, I don't know about you. Now, you can just write me and tell me how you think what you feel about this subject, but sexting, there is no gray. It's black or white. It's for the people that are just meeting. Maybe they're a little younger and they think it's okay 
to talk about what they want to do to each other, even if they've never even spent any time together. This is like their icebreaker, but it's never been an icebreaker for me. It's been the opposite for me. It's the type of thing that makes me put my brakes on and say, hold on. And it's not because I'm prudish. It's because I would much rather turn somebody on in person than via a device. You know what I mean? I can't see his expression if he's doing whatever he's doing on his end of the phone and we're texting. I would much prefer to just wait. And the next time I see him, maybe we kiss a little bit more or, you know, we do something else. But after we've done something is the time that you can start being playful and sext each other. And I know you know what sexting is. And if you don't, for some God forsaken reason, it's when you text each other back and forth sexual comments. Okay? So, he got a little ahead of me. I put the brakes on. I never heard from him again. Can you just explain that to me? Everything was going perfectly. Perfect! Until I refused to sext. So I guess on one hand, it's a blessing that I found out soon. But on the other, I'm disappointed because I feel that there was something there. And it's just two different cultures, male and female. (laughs) And if he would have just given me that opportunity to show, you know, that I am a free spirit and I love sex just as much as the next person. But I like it in person, not via the phone. All right, so that's an experience that depressed me a little bit. Luckily, it was the first time I ever met him. It wasn't something that I was hanging on to after seeing him for days and days. (sighs) I met somebody else online. Long conversations, back and forth. Exchanged phone numbers finally when I felt a little bit comfortable. Nice-looking man. Deep thoughts told me he had two very strong women in his life that had cancer. He understood what I had gone through. And it's not like I dwell on it. I don't even bring it up. It's just part of something I've written in my profile. Anyway, this goes on. And I catch him in little teeny, I don't even want to call them white lies, but things that he would say that didn't really add up. And I would go back and look to see if he had said it some other way prior. And maybe that's why it was catching me the second time around. And that's what was going on. It was like a a vicious cycle on a small scale where he would say one thing and then he would say another. And then he would go back and he would repeat what he said the first time, but not the second. And it just kept mushrooming and mushrooming until the point where I got a little bit nervous because he was coming in two weeks. I was planning on meeting him. But I decided, let me just hang in there for a little while and see if he hangs himself, which of course he did. But again, it's his mistake for hanging himself, for lying in the first place. So why should I be the one that is depressed? I'm depressed because I put faith in another human being that I hadn't even met. Do you know what I mean? You want so badly to believe in people to the point that you do. You allow a little piece of you to open up and believe. And you know the minute you do it, you're going to get slapped. 
right across the face. And yet you hope that you're wrong. And every time you're proven right, it actually makes you take a little baby step backwards until you hope that you bump into Mr. Right, wherever the hell he is. Nobody wants to meet a jaded woman. And I am not jaded. If I were, I wouldn't keep opening up and letting these imbeciles in. It is ridiculous. These idiots. I know there are just as many nice guys out there. Hopefully, for my state of mind, there are more nice guys than not. I want to believe. Where the hell are they? I'm not kidding you. Maybe I'm on the wrong dating sites. I've tried everything. Nobody is real. It's just confusing to somebody who's humble and like you who's believable. We're like sponges. We're very porous. We're malleable. We're open to suggestions, to new things. And then somebody just comes and wrings us out so that we're almost dry. Anyway, that's one of the things I wanted to talk to you about. Things that can be depressing. Wait till you hear what I came up with for the second thing. Now you are just going to do one of those slap your hand on your thigh things when you hear me tell you this. Do you want to know what I just figured out is depressing? Now call me crazy, but just think about it before you call me crazy. If you ever listen to a station that plays music, or if you have your own collection of what we call oldies, number one, let me just say, that is a huge mistake in itself. There should never be a program called oldies, anything old. Because when you see the name old and you like it, it makes you feel old. Now, here's my point. When you're listening to a song that is of the older generation, maybe something from the 60s or the 70s, and you start to smile and you love that song, all of a sudden something clicks. You now realize where you are in life, whether you're married with children, whether you're married and an empty nester, or whether you've left your spouse and you're on your own and you can't find that right guy. All of a sudden, that happy time in your life becomes a depressing thought. Why is my life not happy the way it used to be? Why can't I find that kind of happiness again? Older music can make you depressed. If you're with somebody that makes you happy, or if you're in a happy stage in your life, older music doesn't have that effect. It can egg you on to be even happier. But if you're already leaning towards depression on the other side of the fence, you're doomed if you start listening to older music. Just my two cents. And I think there's some validity to it. And I'm in the radio industry. If my friends that program that music heard me say this, they would not be happy with me. Medications. Did you know that something your doctor might have put you on for something else, whether it's an antibiotic or an anti-inflammatory or anything, has side effects that can cause depression? You need to study. Go Google any medication that's given to you. Before you take it, just read the side effects. Sometimes it's because if it interacts with the medication you're already taking, it can cause depression. Go ask Alice. 
I think she'll know. What does it hurt to take one minute to Google the name of the medicine, Google the other medicines that you're taking, and make sure that they don't conflict? Wouldn't you feel like a total fool if you found out that you were depressed about everything in life and it had to do with the medications you were taking? Nothing inside your head? Just a little pill or capsule? How about the fact that we're alone? Those of us that have made a decision to move on and leave our husbands and are on the other side of that white picket fence. You know, the one that we closed behind us when we left. And we've not found the perfect guy. And we're struggling and trying and wondering and second-guessing and kicking ourselves sometimes because we did leave. Maybe we should have stayed with the sure thing. Maybe we should have. But think. Just take a deep breath and think. Remember what it felt like when you were there. Do you remember how stifling it was? How there wasn't a day you didn't wish you were somewhere else? That somebody else was holding you or telling you that it was going to be okay? Or wanting to be with you? Do you remember dreaming and daydreaming as you would be driving your kids from point A to point B about what life would be like if you had a chance to start over again? Yes. All those things we thought we are now allowing ourselves to try. And just because it's not working out the way we hoped it would doesn't mean that we would have been better off staying in that mess That was a shit show. It worked for the first 10, 15 years. But from that point on, you have to admit to yourself, when you were done, it was for a reason. It wasn't because you were being frivolous. It wasn't because you were bored. It wasn't because, oh, I just want to try something new. Bullshit. You were flat out done. So here we are. And I think, even though I get depressed and down because I am alone, and, you know, a lot of people say, how can you be alone? Because I'm so vocal. And that's one of the reasons I'm alone, because every man that I meet is afraid I'm going to freaking talk about him, which I do. But not if it's somebody that I want to be in a relationship with. Like, why would I do that? Intimacy, as I've just said to somebody recently, is meant for two. So right now, The intimacy is between you and me. But when I start to let myself feel depressed and down because I am by myself, I remember back to all that stuff and I really get a grip on myself because no, I would not want to relive that. I would not go back to that because I would always be wondering if I would have met Mr. Right if I had given myself just a little more time. And the main reason I wouldn't go back is because it was wrong. It was not the right relationship anymore for the time of life we were in. I'll tell you something else that can depress you. Working from home. (laughs) You know, when you get up and you go to work, yeah, you deal with the traffic. Yeah, you deal with somebody else using the copy machine or somebody else that talks too loudly in a cubicle. But at least you are being social. You have people around you. There is stimulation. You are able to get up from your desk or your cubicle or your office 
and go talk to somebody next door. But when you work from home, this is it. Me, I'm in a studio all day long. I work for myself, making podcasts and recordings. I work for the company, the division of the company that I created. I work for them from nine to five. I manage my people all online. We talk to each other via messenger online. We never pick up a phone. We don't see each other during the day. And I'm here. This is it. It's me and my two dogs. That can be depressing because after work, if it's been a stressful day, who wants to go out? I'm exhausted. And then I would say a good half of the time, I'm working all day and I'm not even dressed. Don't even need to put on makeup, do we? Why do we have to brush our hair to sit at our desk in our home by ourselves and not impress a soul? unless we force ourselves to. So there's that. If you work alone and you work at home, we need to be the type of people to force ourselves when we get up in the morning, put on our makeup, get dressed, and think that somebody might show up at our door. Hey, it might be a UPS guy, (laughs) a cute UPS guy. Be prepared. Make yourself look good so you feel better. That's what I'm doing lately. I will say that I was not doing that for quite a while, but lately, I am. If you look good, you feel better. Even when I was sick. I mean, what's wrong with me? I used to do this when I had cancer. I would go to the chemo ward where everybody else around me looked like walking death. God forgive me for saying something, but it's true. Everyone there either had no hair was white as a ghost, was thin as a rail, looked depressed, would look at the floor. Nobody was happy. And rightfully so. We all had cancer. But I would show up in heels and a dress with my wig on, my makeup, jewelry. I walked in. Nobody could even tell I was sick. So if I could do that for eight months and then do it again when it came back, Why in the world am I allowing myself to sit in my studio with no makeup, my hair not brushed, and undressed? What happened to me? Was I stronger when I was sick? Is that what it takes for us to pick ourselves up and brush ourselves off to get sick? That's just stupid. So I'm yelling at myself more than I'm yelling at you. Trust me. I mean, I would never yell at you. I don't know you yet. I mean, I know you, but I'm not yelling at you, okay? Just do by example. If I can do it, you can do it. How's that? Your family. If you live away from your family and they don't reach out as much as you wish they would, I don't know what happens, but I feel I'm the mom. Why don't my kids reach out to me enough? Am I stopping them? When they call me, do I say something that they don't like? Do I reprimand them? I mean, they're young adults. Do I talk about myself too much? Do I do something offensive, anything at all, to stop them from calling as much as I wish they would? And it gets to the point where I'm resentful. Do you ever feel this way about your children? That you almost talk yourself into the fact that 
Well, if they're not calling me, they need to be the ones to make that call. I'm not calling them because all I'm doing is encouraging poor behavior. I want them to pick up the phone. I want them to get on a flight. I want them to take a train. I don't care how the fuck you get here. Just get here or call me, write me, something me. There should be no reason in the world why I don't hear from my children at least three times a week. Don't you feel that way? Or am I asking for too much? But it's depressing. One of my children I'm having a huge disagreement with. I haven't talked to her in months. Why? You wouldn't even believe it. I don't even want to talk about it. But it was all because of a miscommunication during a tumultuous hour where we were trying to text or call back and forth and misconstrued what was being said to the point where I blew my top. And I said to her, I just can't take it anymore because she had given me for years, years and years, I always bit my tongue because I didn't want to start an argument with her. We're very much alike. Yes, I admit it, but I'm the mom. Shouldn't I be respected? Can't she back down once and say, mom, let's let it go. Or mom, I just love you. Or mom, I don't want to be apart and not talk. Why am I sitting here waiting to hear from her? I, I'm, uh, I'm devastated. When, when you think back to all that you give of yourself to your child, all the years and the learnings and the love, everything you have you've given to your child. To the point where it's like the sap coming out of the tree. You're giving all of that good stuff to them so that they can grow up and be disrespectful enough to stand up and say, well, I'm done too. I'm not going to try. If she can be that way, number one, how does she call me she? I'm your mom. If she can be that way, so can I. I didn't raise somebody to be that way. I know I didn't. I just can't have. So what happened? Have you ever been on the outs with one of your children? It's just a heartache. Because you want to do the right thing so that they learn the right life lesson so that they won't have their child do it to them. And yet what happens is it's like a boomerang. We always get hurt. I don't know. It's a big mystery to me. I had the same problem with my mom, a little bit different. She, oh, just too much to go into. But for the last 20 years of her life, She was pretty neglectful to my children, and I was very resentful for that reason. 
and at one point she and I stopped talking. But I really felt I had a valid reason. She wouldn't come see my kids. She just wouldn't come. She would go to Atlantic City or North Virginia or wherever it was that there were casinos. That is where she would spend her time to unwind and relax. But she would not come see my kids. And this one daughter of mine that I'm having a problem with accused me of being the cause for the lack of communication between my mom, her grandmother, and myself. She had no idea that it was about her, my mom, not making the effort to come see my kids. And of the sort. I guess what goes around comes around. People assume that, I will tell you, is my daughter's biggest fault. She assumes much. And I think as a mom, and you tell me if I'm wrong, that's what hurts the most. When your child can assume that you are this kind of person, that you've never given an inkling to them that you could possibly be, how does that happen? I don't have a mean bone in my body. I've done nothing but try to take care and do right by my kids. How can she assume that I'm anything else? Most often we blame ourselves for our children's mistakes. This one has thrown me, and it's really taking its toll. But you see how easy I can turn it around and I can say, well, I'll live. It's not easy. In fact, it's not easy being me. There are days that I wonder how I even made it through. (laughs) Things just find me. I don't know. Let me just tell you one last thing, and maybe you'll understand me a little bit more. This happened two days ago. I have a young girl staying in my house. I have an Airbnb here at my home with a whole separate section of the house that somebody that wants to can stay. They have their bathroom, a bedroom, the kitchen. And she's 23 years old. She's from France. She's adorable. Speaks with a beautiful accent, but she's learned her English very well. Anyway, we were watching TV and I went to let the dogs out. And in the laundry room where the doggy door is, I saw something squirm. And my first instinct, of course, was to jump like an idiot lunatic. But then I looked down and I saw that it was the smallest little teeniest gecko I've ever seen in my life. It was smaller than my little fingernail. And it was almost clear. It was a baby. And I picked it up because I really thought if my dog saw it, one of them would eat it like a snack. Anyway, I picked it up and I had it in my hands, you know, cupped. And I walked into the living room and I said to her, look, I want to show you this. So I I opened my hands very carefully and I showed her and she did her appropriate. Oh, so cute. (laughs) With the French accent. Then I opened up the front door and I put it outside on the lawn. I went back into the laundry room to see, you know, what the dogs were doing. And I looked down on the floor and I see movement again. And there is another one that's twice as big, which is still tiny. And I tried to scoop it up. I couldn't catch it. And from that point on, my night was ruined. Why? 
because I felt guilty as shit. I separated the mother from the baby. Now one's going to be in the front. And how do you live with that? Now I'm very serious here. That mother is scrambling around in my laundry room looking for her child that I thought I was doing the right thing by putting it outside in the front lawn. It might as well be Europe in the front and Indonesia in the back. They will never find each other. I went back five times trying to find that thing just so I could put it in the front yard. I was actually devastated. I went back into the living room. I sat down. I said to her, I feel terrible. She asked me, what's wrong? I told her what I did. She goes, no worries. It's all destiny. How do you say destiny? I looked at her like she was out of her freaking mind. Like, how could she be trying to console me? I'm old enough to be her mother. Twice. All night long, I walked back into that laundry room looking for that thing. And to this day, it still bothers me. But that's me. And again, it had something to do with mother and child. You see, I was trying to protect and I wound up doing the wrong thing. Well, maybe I've done the same thing with my own kid. I don't know anymore. I think that's enough for one day. (laughs) I've got one more episode left of Lemons to Lemonade coming up on Thursday. And that is my whole story, the whole thing from the beginning until up to date of what I went through with ovarian cancer. And it is not melodramatic. It is something that you should listen to and do for yourself. Make sure you go to your doctor because nobody ever expects this kind of thing to happen to themselves. It just does. And you need to be prepared and be proactive. That's all you're going to get from me, but I do want you to listen to that. And if you want to write to me, you can write right here on iTunes or Stitcher, or Podbean, or any of those podcast platforms. You can review what I've said, or make a comment. However you want to do it, I would love to hear from you. My email, you can reach me also, robinmarshallsugarmom at gmail.com. If you'd like to come on the show and be a guest and talk about something that's interesting to you, a life lesson of some sort, maybe something that's recently happened in your life, I would love to have you on. Truly, Robin Marshall, sugarmom at gmail.com. I would also really like it if you would subscribe to the Sugar Mom podcast. That would make me happy, very happy, even more happy than if you were to review it. I just want to know that you're there because every Tuesday, I'll just be on your phone or on your PC and plug in your earbuds and we're good to go. Just you and me. Thank you for listening. It's always a pleasure to be with you. (laughs) It's Robin Marshall, America's number one, now I own the trademark, Sugar Mom. A Westwood One podcast production.